Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Beast of Darkness, written by Philip McCormick. The armies of light and darkness face off in this YA supernatural thriller. They were an unlikely pairing. He an urchin from the back streets of Belfast, she a sickly youngster from a well-to-do background. Yet they were chosen to go against the most fearsome creature ever to threaten Earth, the terrifying beast from the apocalypse. The wizard Patrick told them of the mission. The army of light would face the army of darkness. The children had to recover the lance of light and use it against the beast, or the army of light would be defeated. For different motives, the children agreed to go. They would face giant spiders, vampire bats, and foul-mouthed knights. It was a daunting task for one so young. They didn't even like each other, so how could they pull together to overcome all the dangers they would encounter? And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from The Beast of Darkness. Joy Rider the soldier ran, ducking and weaving across the street. He reached the opposite side, and with a smooth, easy motion, dropped into a crouch. Even before he came to a halt, his rifle was in the firing position. Using his infrared sight, he swept the weapon along the darkened buildings, on the lookout for snipers. Another soldier broke cover and ran further up the street. He, too, dropped low and aimed his rifle at likely trouble spots. One by one, the rest of the patrol followed at irregular intervals, the rubber-soled boots sending out a faint whiss-whiss-whiss into the evening air. Kevin was hunkered down behind a garden wall, watching the soldiers. They could not see him, for he kept well back in the shadows. If they discovered him, they would detain him, even though he was only twelve. He would be thrown into the back of a Saracen-armored car and taken to the barracks for questioning. This had happened before, Kevin knew there was a file on him at the barracks, as there was on everyone living in the Falls Road area of Belfast. It was a humiliating experience to be brought in by the Brits. They asked stupid questions about his family. Have you got a sister? What's your sister's name? How old is she? Kevin didn't have a sister, so he made one up. While they were questioning him about an imaginary sister, they weren't hitting him. Her name's Finula. She's eighteen. She works in Wellworths. What's she like? Describe her. Kevin would picture someone he had seen on TV and conjure up a beautiful older sister. His interrogators hung on his every word, their eyes glistening as each detail of this fanciful young woman was dangled before them. Needless to say, Kevin dreaded these in... <clears throat> Needless to say, Kevin dreaded these interrogations and kept out of the clutches of the security forces, if possible. When he was certain the patrol was out of sight, he moved from his hiding place. Cautiously, he flitted from cover to cover like a shadow, so that even if someone was watching, they would have found it difficult to follow his movements. Stopping by a Ford Mondeo, Kevin tried the doors and was not surprised to find everything secure. With a long-bladed instrument, he forced the door lock. Within seconds, he was in the driver's seat, Kevin wasted no time getting the car started. He could hotwire a car in seconds. The starter whirred once, then again, 
On the third attempt, the engine coughed erratically, then roared into life. Kevin jammed home the gear stick, pushed the accelerator hard to the floor, and the vehicle leapt forward. Tire screeching, the car shot to the end of the road and did a four-wheeled skid onto the adjoining road. Yahoo! Gretel and pumping, Kevin fought to bring the wildly swinging vehicle under control as it tried to mount the pavement. He was high on excitement as the car veered back on the road. Never once did he think to take his foot off the accelerator. The streets of Belfast City lay ahead, and Kevin yelled again with excitement as the car surged forward, rubber burning cornering, gears crashing up and down the box, breath-stopping moments when he thought the Mondeo would hit something. Over on the Strand, his mates were waiting for him. Amon and Desi would be watching anxiously for his arrival. Kevin thought with pleasure of the excitement he would create when he locked the wheels in a skid and slammed the car against the curb opposite his mates. With luck, a hubcap might fly off and bounce past them. The youngster grinned in anticipation. The Mondale's powerful 2.9-liter engine roared in response to his foot on the accelerator. Rocketing out of the side road, the big car nearly missed an oncoming taxi. Kevin grinned roguishly as the blast of the taxi's horn echoed after him. As he overtook a slow-moving bus, he had to swerve sharply to avoid an approaching van. The bus driver and the badly frightened van driver leaned on their horns as the Mondeo took a violent right turn and disappeared into a side street. Kevin replied with a long blast on his own hooter, then threw back his head and laughed. This was living. Kevin loved the excitement of the steel and the adrenaline-pumping race across the city roads. Nothing else gave him such a terrific buzz. The threat of serious injury or imprisonment only added to the electrifying excitement of the rebellious youngster. At twelve years of age, Kevin hadn't a serious thought in his head. School bored him. He loved to be out on the streets with his companions as they roamed the city of Belfast, seeking out the danger spots. Knowing the city streets intimately, they were able to stalk the police and army patrols and ambush them with never-flagging enthusiasm. They flung whatever bricks and missiles came to hand, cheering with excitement when a score was made. The rubber bullets fired at them were part of the game. The police or soldiers would rush them, and the youngsters would flee into the alleyways or side streets and disappear like wraiths before the guardians of the law could come to grips with them. Sometimes, the local men would come out and organize them. They would supply the children with bottles and petrol. They would then be instructed as to where and when the riot was to start. It was the youngster's task to make up the petrol bombs, pouring the inflammable liquid into the bottles and stuffing the rags into the necks to make the fuses. There would be laughter and banter and suppressed excitement and the smell of raw petrol in the night air. There would be fear, too, as they faced the army, formidable in their riot gear. The soldiers and police banged their batons on their shields and taunted their tormentors. Young rioters retaliated by chanting slogans accompanied by rude gestures. When these preliminaries were completed, battle would commence. There was a horrid fascination in watching the trajectory of a bottle, trailing flames as it curved into the night sky towards the police lines. Cheers when the police lines retreated and scattered. Panic when they regrouped and charged the youths. In such cases, theirs was only a sideshow to the true action, with real bombs and real bullets taking place behind the scenes. The streets flashed by as Kevin trod hard on the accelerator, trying to increase his already dangerous speed. The car screeched out onto Lindsburg Road, shuddering on tortured rubber. Kevin jammed the gear stick down a notch and fought with the steering wheel. It came as a total shock when he saw the roadblock looming ahead. 
Kevin glimpsed the khaki-clad figures waving him to stop, but the youngster could not stop. If he were caught in the car, he would be sent to a juvenile detention center for sure. The police had him on their files for old offenses. Maybe he could ram through the checkpoint and escape the clutches of the army. Kevin crouched low in his seat and stared with increasing dread as the army checkpoint rushed towards him. His foot was riveted to the accelerator. The nervous trembling in his leg transferred itself to his body. The big car kept driving forward. By now, it was too late to stop and make a run for it. Kevin had gone past the point of no return. Almost in slow motion, he could see the soldiers bringing their weapons to the firing position. The black muzzles of the gun loomed large in the streetlights, like the dark eyes of avenging beasts. Spurts of flame leapt from the gun barrels. The windscreen went opaque as the first bullet smashed through. Kevin ducked instinctively. Something hit his hand and he looked down. Where his hand had been on the steering wheel, there was now a red-soaked mess of flesh and whitish bone. Curiously, he felt no pain. Kevin stared at the gory mess of his ruined hand. There was a loud bang and the grinding of ruptured metal as the Monteo slammed into the Saracen armored car, blocking the road. Kevin was somersaulted through the windscreen in a shower of splintered glass. He smashed into the side of the Saracen and slid down onto the tarmac road. Half a dozen rifles were trained on the unconscious teenager. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from The Beast of Darkness. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.